0: You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. Even when we win, it's just a matter of time before we give it all back. This is the Bet Slipping Podcast, featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. i bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally get punched in the face. You're listening
1: to the Bet Slipping Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. What up, Bed slipping Podcast followers and listeners? Hopefully we've made you money recently and we're looking to make you some money this week. We got a whole bunch of sports to talk. We're going to hit almost every sport pole that's uh, on deck this week. We got the college hoops, conference tourneys uh, tipping off here, actually today, uh, Tuesday, March 8th, when we're recording this podcast, but the majority of them will tip off either tomorrow or Thursday. We're also going to talk about the upcoming PGA Tour uh, Players Championship that tees off this Thursday. Got some um, soccer handicaps, some NBA handicaps. Um, and again, we'll talk about the Calvin Ridley thing. But before we get into it, what's up, Nate Dog? How you doing, buddy?
0: Yeah, got to get the feels right. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Happy to be back for another week. Yeah. Um... You want to kick it off and go over how last week was for us? or I I mean, I could skip that. I don't know.
1: No, I'm down to recap it. I actually, I guess I misremembered how you, your picks last week. I thought you were killing it, right? So I went 5-1-1 in my picks last week. I was plus 5.7 units. Uh, So
0: technically, unit-wise, I would have been down 1.6, which isn't that bad for going 1-4.
1: Okay, so let's recap what you... um your your winners and losers or your winner and your losers you you hit with a top 20 Gary Woodland right
0: yeah so Gary Woodland top 20 was plus 240 that was my one hit i gave out i talked Russ Henley i told you he was a lock to be top 40 i gave out top 10 top 10 was plus 480 he finished 13th so that one didn't hit that would have been awesome he was top 10 for a lot of that tournament Mm-hmm. um and then i had lafc portland lafc's offense didn't get going it finished 1-1 uh i had grizz plus three and a half they lost out right on the road to boston and then i had kansas minus 6.5 and i believe they won against texas but i believe it was like a down to the wire type deal gotcha okay all right so I thought... set- oh wait whoa 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 never mind 70 63 i did not think that hit
1: oh you barely got there by half point is that what you're saying
0: yeah, let's so, uh, go. We're going positive
1: last week. So All right. W- what is so? What's your what's your unit uh, balance at that point?
0: <clears throat> so if we just go straight up, it would have been plus point four. Okay, that's we're eating so out of profit. the reason I didn't think that. So I didn't actually check that game. I was at a I was at a like a bar and grill eating a burger, and I watched it go into overtime. And I was like, when I saw that I had Kansas six and a half, I was like, it's not hidden. I remember watching it, remembering overtime. No way.
1: Yeah, I'm and usually the gone. I'm usually the guy with Texas plus six and a half there. So I uh, would have been shitting bricks.
0: Yeah, no, that's a uh, yeah, so plus plus point six ish. We'll we'll round it out. You can uh
1: give us how well you crushed it. There's never hold on. There's never a better feeling than winning in overtime with a favorite in, in sports betting. Like that's that's my favorite like sports betting rush or win that you can get um uh conversely i don't think there's anything worse than losing in overtime with with an underdog i did it with the bills and the the the, the playoff game against the chiefs i recently did it with the uh new orleans pelicans sunday night against the, against the denver nuggets that pissed I me off i took that
0: too you felt so confident on that and we were talking about it i was like jeff feels great i feel great and then i they were up like 10 most of this whole second half
1: yeah, they were down 21 in the first quarter, but they rallied back. But either way, uh, last week I, I did really well. I was 5-1-1 one and one, uh, plus 5.7 units. So we're killing it for you guys. Plus uh, six or more units last week between our two bets. If you would hit that Russell Henley uh, top 20 or top 10 that you gave out, I would have called us the greatest golf gambling podcast in the world. 13th. Yeah, we, 13th. We we're close. I should have just
0: given out top 20 and lived with that plus like 200 or 220 or whatever it was.
1: Well, I mean, you learned something, you got a little greedy, um but the plus 200 would have been good money. That was dude, that was that tournament was insane. Um just some of the swings in my head-to-head matchups are pretty crazy, but I whiffed on Cameron Tringale, uh top 20, lost a unit on that one, but won 2.5 units on Christian Bazenhout. As the top South African golfer, I won with Rory McElroy, plus one, two. Uh, that was a sweat. Yeah, plus 1.2 units over John Rom. That was a huge sweat. I ended up chopping Sung J M um, over uh, Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama made made up, I think, six strokes in the fourth round to, to eke out a chop in that one. So uh, money going back to me, but. No, uh, no win there. I hit with Keith Mitchell over Paul Casey for plus one unit. That was incredible. Uh, Paul Casey went plus eleven in the fourth round to lose that uh, to win that bet for me. I guess depending on how you look at it. I hit my two NBA picks uh, with the Atlanta Hawks over the Chicago Bulls, and I'm uh, riding uh, the New Orleans Pelicans pretty hard recently. I took them to beat the Sacramento Kings, and they just. Uh, they boat raced the Sacramento Kings. So that was awesome. Real quick, before we uh, handicap some sports and talk sports, let's talk about the most, uh, um, like the, the, the biggest current event happening in the sports betting landscape, which is the, the Calvin Ridley um, suspension that he, that he got yesterday by the NFL. He's, he's an Atlanta Falcons wide receiver. Um, it was reported that he got caught gambling on NFL games. He bet, the Atlanta Falcons bet him to win. Um, while he was while he took a medical leave away from the team, um, he was betting the NFL um, through uh, I think Hard Rock Sportsbook in Florida. Then they their compliance program reached out the NFL and told uh, rat it on Calvin Ridley for for Absolute gambling snitches. on the NFL. <laughs> Yeah, absolute snitches. So do you have any like heart hot takes or just thoughts about this? Because to me, this was honestly probably the third worst covered um, sports story in the last, I don't know, like 15, 20 years. Like my least favorite was Colin Kaepernick. My second least favorite was Tiger Woods. And then this one was
0: just epically bad. So I I think there's a lot of ways to attack this. You you know, when, when I, when you were like, Hey, we should talk about this. I started looking things up and I kind of scrolled through his Twitter and his Twitter's hilarious. He has a football is life emoji, a laughing face. I learned from my L's. I bet $1,500. I don't have a gambling problem. I couldn't even watch football at that point. Uh, I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year, LOL. So like it's tough because you see what the NFL has done with other incidences with the domestic abuse, with um like that incident. I don't know what the guy got, but when the bullying down in Miami, um, sure, uh, Richie Incognito. Yeah, so I, I, I think this is a little much. I understand you have to bring down the hammer. Their partnerships, the the game to be compromised is so important. But if you're really going to compromise the game, how how do you have no san? I, I guess sanctions is a word I were thrown around these days. Um, how do you not have sanctions on uh, like the Miami Dolphins coach for having Flores lose games? That's compromising the league too. I think if Ridley's going to get a year, make him make him sell the team. Do something crazy because he compromised the integrity of the sport as well. You know, I uh, I just see a lot of issues with saying, hey, Ridley, you were off the field. You had no plans to coming back. You only played five games and clearly weren't going to come back and we're going to give you a full year. I It doesn't sit well with me, but uh, I don't think the NFL cares if it sits well with anyone. No, I mean, there's a lot to
1: unpack from what you just said. The Steven Ross thing is just epically egregious. I think it's going to be adjudicated in court. And if Brian Flores' allegations are proven true, he should absolutely be removed from the NFL. Like, no questions asked. I actually think – Calvin Ridley probably deserves a lifetime ban like that's how serious I take this I think he got off really lucky with a year um and and like the whole domestic violence thing and all that like that's not an apples to apples comparison in my opinion mm. like yeah. the domestic violence is as, as terrible as it is right as as disgusting as it as it is it doesn't it doesn't negatively affect the integrity of the game. You don't question the legitimacy of the outcomes by watching someone who beat their girlfriend or their wife uh, catch touchdown passes. You don't, right? But if you find out that these guys are gambling on these games, all of a sudden... Like, that opens the door for a whole bunch of, like, ridiculous questions and assumptions to be made. And and one of the guys who got dragged on social media yesterday was Emmanuel Achua, I think is,
0: is how you pronounce his name. Oh, and, hey, it's funny. He's an analyst now, but I have his rookie card.
1: Yeah, he, he's an analyst for, for, for Fox Sports 1, and he posted yeah. a video of a bunch of, like, uh um examples of Calvin Ridley like breaking off routes or getting tackled from behind when he should have been running away from the defense and just like sketchy looking things that i don't think is very fair to Calvin Ridley, but that is the point that is the door that you open up once you start betting on games and there there are just idiotic moronic sports writers that don't get this it's It's crazy to me how many writers, even in our network that cover sports and have no idea about sports gambling and talk so far out of their ass when it comes to issues like this, right? I think, on top of everything, it's ridiculous that Ridley took a leave of absence for mental health and was off gambling in the NFL. Like, that... I can't think of anything that looks much worse than that. And Especially for your mental health. You know what I go
0: through on a weekly basis losing a $5 bet?
1: <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, if, you, if you're gambling... And you're excited about it or into it at all? Like that definitely doesn't help improve your mental health. And like no one is saying he can't gamble, right? He can't, he got caught gambling. I think it was November 25th. So he could have bet on college football. He could have bet on bas, uh, NBA basketball. He could have bet on college basketball. He could have bet on hockey. Like why did he bet on football? Because he's an idiot. That's why. Like I I can't understand people making him to be a victim or or. Or holding the NFL at any possible, like, fault for this. Like, if anything, he should be suspended or banned forever. Like, it's... It's absurd to me. And like people are saying, like, well, you know, there's some hypocrisy or there's a gray area because the NFL does business with sports books. No, no, there isn't. There is no, there's absolutely no gray area. It's a clear and simple rule that you do not gamble on the league that you play for. When I got hired by the Los Angeles Clippers in 2012, I was a sales executive. Dude, I was making $8 an hour plus 3% commission. There were concession workers in the stadium that i was selling tickets for that were making far much money far more money than me just passing out drinks passing out popcorn right i had to sign a contract for this bullshit job that i wouldn't i wouldn't gamble on the nba right like the players like it's absolutely communicated to them that you cannot gamble on the games or on on the sport that which you play and like the hypocrisy thing is the most retarded uh comment or 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 counter to any of this like the analogy that I'll use is should is is Las, the Las Vegas Raiders hypocritical for suspending Henry Ruggs because they sell Budweiser in their stadium does that make sense is that like just because they have a, a, a the NFL has a sports book partnership like that doesn't make what Calvin Ridley did okay. Right? It's just like, well yeah, they have a partnership with Budweiser. That doesn't make drinking and driving okay. So I think it's ridiculous. And I think I think the way the sports writers are talking about it really shows just how stupid they are when it comes to sports gambling and they really don't belong in the space, in the sports betting space. Like I hate when sports writers Try to like enter the sports gambling space and and and, and use their, their bullshit virtue signaling for their coverage. So that's where I kind of leave it. I don't know. I just ranted for a few minutes there, but whatever.
0: No, I mean, I think I think what you said isn't isn't wrong. I think there's a lot to uh, unpack in the situation. And honestly, if you give him three games, what's to stop Tom Brady from dropping? I guess not Tom Brady. What's to stop Joe Burrow from dropping? Uh, 5 million on a game losing. And then, I mean, the, the stakes can't change because it was 1500 and he was away from the game, you know, no, it's gotta be, Hey, and and you can tell over the last few years, the NFL is going to integrate sports books. I mean, all these people, the Falcons signed with prize picks for their DFS partner. All these people are going to start integrating gambling into their games because it makes it more enjoyable for the consumer. And if like, like you said, you you know you know the implications. Yeah, and do you know who also gets a cut of the sportsbook partnership?
1: That'd be the players. They get that money. Like I don't I don't understand what's so difficult for people to understand about this. Like how how like how just like egregiously terrible Calvin Ridley's actions were here in terms of just like the legitimacy of the game, not like in and just like life, right? I mean, whatever. Gambling on football isn't a big deal. Obviously, we're doing a whole goddamn podcast based on that. But all right, I, I ran over. Uh, let's talk about. So let's let's try to make these listeners some money. What do you say?
0: Let's trend into the actual gambling.
1: Yeah, actually, before that? I get into it, though, I gotta do I gotta pay some bills. Sorry, uh, but shout out to our sponsor of this podcast, Tipico Sportsbook. They're a global sports betting leader. They're now live in New Jersey and Colorado, and you make you can make your favorite sports more interesting with Typico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users from this podcast can get a special welcome bonus at usa slash podcast. That's usa dot com slash podcast. Terms and conditions do apply, though. You got to be 21 or older to game. So please see Tipico's website for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey and 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado. Okay, so on to the college basketball attorneys. Again, uh, most of them tip off either Wednesday, which is tomorrow, or recording Tuesday, March 8th. Uh, Some of them tip off Thursday. I actually... Was unaware that the ACC tournament tipped off today. I was looking to bet UNC plus nine hundred to win the ACC tournament. I couldn't find it anywhere, and I was really, really confused. And then I felt really, really stupid when I saw that the first round of the ACC tournament <laughs> was uh, being played today. So
0: well, we were, yeah, we were even talking about that. I was like, Wake Forest ACC tournament, lock it in. University of Miami, good bet. And then we're like, uh, there's only five here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it
1: sucks. Uh, Sorry about that, guys. But I, I honestly used most of today to handicap these tournaments. I'm not a big college basketball guy. I do have a few best bets, a couple of long shots we're looking at here. But I, I just, you know, hand up. I made a mistake here. I, I didn't know the ACC tournament started Tuesday. So sorry about that. I like UNC plus nine hundred. That that's like my bet or my pick, but I I can't put any money to it because I I fell asleep at the wheel. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the Big East real quick. I don't have a play in the Big East, and I don't think you do either, right? But I consider uh, it a power conference in basketball. And we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, final fours, final fours, baby. <laughs> um, I, I think the best value on the board is Providence at plus four twenty five. The favorite is. Villanova. Um, I have no issue with that. I mean, Villanova is an awesome program. Jay Wright's the man. But do you have any plays, angles, or things you're looking at in the, the Big East tourney?
0: So it's not going to be on my best bets list. I uh, I'm, I had a play for every tourney though. So the one that I liked here was uh, Marquette at plus 750 and uh so marquette was the second best covering team in the big east they were eight and four against the spread against ranked opponents and so when i started handicapping these i was like hey what do we think are the best stats to kind of prove that a team can hang especially long term that they can make these runs and i one of the ones that i liked a lot was how they fared against ranked ranked opponents how they fared on neutral ground did they have quality road wins um How's their defense? Do they have any stars offensively? Anyone that can get hot? So Marquette was one of the ones that I kind of saw. Um, so Marquette has a lot of – they. so they beat Nova twice. That's a good – for starters. They beat Seton Hall twice. They lost to Providence by two. They lost to Creighton by one and in overtime. They score 75 points per game, and they allow teams to shoot 40.5% uh, from the field a little bit. Best of both worlds. At seven fifty, I like it. I it's not a best bet for me. I haven't watched a ton of Marquette basketball this year, and I kind of pride myself on how much basketball I do get to uh, get in. But if if there is a team I like based on the resume, not based on a ton of like me having watched their games, it's definitely Marquette at plus seven fifty.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just like Providence plus four twenty five because like allegedly they're good at winning tight games. They've um I've been I think they yeah. got up to top ten in the like, country.
0: Quote, my bad. Go ahead. My-
1: and and no one. No one seems to like think they're any good, right? I mean, I, I that seems to be the narrative around Providence is that they've gotten lucky here. So they are actually the best three point shooting offense and the second best three point shooting defense in Big East play. Um, and they have the best offensive free throw rate and the second best defensive free throw rate, um, in Big East conference play. So the other the other school that I'm looking at is my, my alma mater St. John's plus three thousand. They have Champagne, the second le- they have the second leading score in the Big East, and they have the second leading assist man in the Big East. And they play a pretty unique style. They uh, like to pressure ball handlers to get out in transition, and really, it's a <clears throat> unique look that a lot of Big East or a lot of teams in the country aren't familiar with. So if they can get hot from behind the arc, Julian Champagne um, lights it up posh alexander has it going maybe they can steal it but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take that to the window with me i'll tell you that
0: yeah so uh i've been writing so many st john's games because when you're like hey i can't i can't fairly handicap the st john's game. like all right i'll step in so throughout the year one thing you notice is you're right they play up and down so fast they average the third most possessions per game they're the only team in a power five conference in the top 10 top 13 gonzaga's 10 but they they just run and if if you can run and you can force turnovers yeah it's, it's a decent shot
1: yeah and it's like a way to like almost randomize the game right just speed up the tempo and maybe crazy shit happens and we can pull it out like it doesn't work over a seven game series but
0: like a one and done tournament hey who knows yeah you speed up Villanova they miss a couple shots yeah they can I mean they play super slow you play, play super fast if it's your type of game yeah I don't hate that.
1: Yeah, and the funny thing is our our point guard is one of the best defensive players in the, in the country, definitely in the conference, Posh Alexander, and he's had a lot of success against Villanova's um, point guard, Colin Gillespie. And actually St. John's, um, they sucked against Villanova this year, but they've had success against Villanova in recent seasons under head coach Mike Anderson. So, uh, again, I'm just more shouting out my school than doing anything else. Uh, Let's go to the Pac-12, though, next. Um, I don't even know what order I'm doing this. I don't know why the Pac-12 is next, but I'm looking at Colorado plus 2,000 uh, because I'm not in Colorado or New Jersey. I wasn't able to get that line. I actually got a sicker line, but I'll give it out at uh, plus 2,000, um, which is what Tipico's deal in Colorado at. They have a buy in the Pac-12 tourney. Uh, or excuse me, they have a bye yeah, heading into the back Pac-12 tourney, and they were actually runners-up last season. They have the fourth-best conference record since uh, the beginning of last year. They have the fourth-best margin of victory and the best ATS differential in the Pac-12. Um, so they consistently overperform expectations. They're the best three-point and free-throw shooting team in, in Pac-12 play. Um, they have really good offensive and defensive free throw attempt rates. So they're good at getting in the line, good at staying or keeping opponents off the line. And if they get to the line again, they have the best free throw shooting percentage, which is huge in ice and games uh, down the stretch. And they're trending up. They're seven to one straight up six and two against the spread in their last eight, which uh, one of those games includes a 79 63 beat down of uh, number two, Arizona. So I like them coming in hot. I like them at this price point. I like that they get a buy, um, and they avoid two teams that they've struggled against this season with USC and UCLA being on the other side of the bracket. They do have to play Arizona uh, in the semifinals should they advance that far, and Arizona's the the cream of the crop in the Pac-12, but plus 2,000 for Colorado, I'll take it, and I'm going to the window with that one. What do you got in the Pac-12, if anything?
0: Yeah, I, I definitely like plus 2,000 there. I think they they also I – th- I think it's a little underrated to not say Oregon in there. Oregon's going to be a hard matchup mm-hmm. for them. I will say, personally speaking, this is one of the ones where I'm like, I don't think I can really go against Arizona. I was looking at the Pac-12. I was also looking at kind of who Arizona's played. They absolutely beat down USC. It felt like they were up 20 from the start a couple weeks ago. Um I, I just think Arizona is too good. USC and UCLA are the two and three seed. UCLA has been far too inconsistent for me. Johnny Juzang, I think, he was injured for a bit there. So Arizona put up 91 on a USC team that ranks top 15 in opponent's field goal rate. Uh, Arizona has a very good mixture of defense and offense, which is clearly why they're the number one seed in tournament. They rank sixth in opponent's field goal percentage at 38.2%. And then on the other side, they score the third most points per game. And Benedict Mathurin's probably going to be the best player in the tournament in general, and he's averaging over 17 points per game. So there's a lot to like with Arizona. Obviously, they're the one seed, but at minus 135, it's it's at least one I'll take. It's not a super expensive play. I have a couple of those coming, but uh, the Wildcats, have, they've shown me too much this season. When I've seen them play USC and UCLA, besides one bad game against UCLA, it, it seems like they've been just too dominant. All right,
1: good stuff. Let's go over to your conference, the Big Ten, where I don't have an official play. I actually, I took Illinois to win the national championship last year, and they significantly underperformed. Uh, they got bounced out kind of early. I think I'm just gonna, I think I'm gonna do it again. I still like that team, and I like them to win the Big Ten tournament. They're plus three hundred right now. It's just not, it's not a fat enough payout for me to to actually play it or take it to the window with me. Um, but Kofi Cockburn. Um, the the big for for Illinois is really one of the most dominant players in the conference. He's surrounded with knockdown shooters, and Illinois actually has the the best uh, defensive effective field goal percentage in Big Ten play. Um, and they have by far the best record since the start of last season at thirty four and nine um, in in conference. Excuse me, thirty four and nine in the Big Ten. They got a plus seven point eight margin of victory in those games. So I, I like Illinois to win the Big Ten tournament. I'm not a big bracket guy. Um, Actually, I'm more into the college basketball survivor pool things, which I don't have the time to explain to you guys right now, but if you can get into one of those, I invited you to the USA Today Network one, Nate. They're so much better than brackets. Like, it's so much fun doing the survivor uh, college basketball tournament survivor pool. I, I suck. I've never won. Actually, our boss Bonini won it one year. Um, but I, I don't have any chance. I'm I'm dead money in this, but it's a much better way to to go about betting the uh, March Madness. Um, I don't know. I got I kind of rambled there, but I, I like Illinois to win the Big Ten tournament. I'm not going to play it officially. How do you feel about it?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not playing my Big Ten winner either. I have Purdue. Again, they're the favorite. Uh, Jaden Ivey's the best player in the NCAA probably. He's probably going to be a top five pick. His style of play reminds me of John Moran. I think he's an actual NBA player. Playing in the NCAA. And when I think sometimes the point is in some of these tournaments, when you have the best player, uh, I'm going to like your chances. They're plus 220 because you have Wisconsin, Iowa, um, even Indiana. I don't think I should have given out Indiana, but and then Illinois, Michigan, Ohio State. You have so many good teams, or at least like mid tier teams that have high tier potential in there. Sure. So Purdue didn't really cover well on the season. But honestly, when I was looking at this, most of the top tier teams, like you were saying, you hate the Big 10. Most of the top-tier teams didn't cover that well. Like The teams that were over 75% against the spread, there's three of them, and it's Nebraska, Rutgers, and Penn State. No one's going to bet those teams. So I think you're going to take a favorite. You're going to take a Wisconsin or something in there. And I like Purdue. Um, So five of Purdue's six losses came on the road. They beat Nova and UNC earlier in the season, both on neutral court positions. I think there's value here given their schedule. And then I also like they have Zach Easy, so – like you were saying with Cockburn, when you also when you have one of the best players in the nation, and then you automatically have a player that's seven four, it's kind of a good little little wrench to throw in there. So I don't think they'll necessarily get upset if they lose. I think it'll be a close battle. So I'll take them to to make a solid run. Right. It's just your. And pick, again, though, that's not going to be a that's not going to be a best bet of mine either.
1: Understood. Okay. So going to the Big Twelve tournament. This is another uh, market that I don't have a speci- I don't have a. a a specific play or something I'm going to take to the window with me. I, I will pick Kansas, but they're the favorite. They're plus 200. I think they're tied with Baylor, according to Tipico, at plus 200. I, I'm i always looking to take underdogs and finding a way to zag on the market, zag, zag in the public. I, I just I couldn't get there against Kansas. They're the best three-point shooting offense and defense in the Big 12. They have two upperclassmen that are in Ken Palm's all-Big all 12 team. Um, they're good offensive and defensive free throw rates. I mean, they're of, like year in, year out. One of the more talented rosters in the country, Kansas is. So I have really nothing bad to say about them. And I have really not a lot of insight to provide to the big 12 conference journey. What would say you about this one?
0: So, yeah, so you were going, uh, big time with Colorado. I'm going big time in the big 12. I like TCU a lot. So it's a play. Six, I've heard
1: that. Okay. What's your, what's
0: your angle here? TCU's six, two and one against the spread against ranked opponents this season. So they lost both of their games to Texas earlier in the season. And that's who they get in the first round. You know what they say about beating a team three times. We're going baseball rules. I like TCU to beat Texas. It's going to be a, a team, two teams that are both defense heavy. So TCU has a dominant defense. They allow just 64.8 points per game. While they haven't beat Texas, they have beaten both Kansas and Texas Tech this season, and they've hung with many of the conference's top opponents. They also have the – they average the third most offensive rebounds in the conference and allow – and have the fourth most assists, fifth best shooting percentage. So there's – and they force the second most turnovers. There's just a lot of things that I I like about them. Their defensive intensities – one of them, their resume is another one. They've hung with all the good opponents they faced this year. Um, and your favorite thing yeah, about I'll them I'll is the that. price, right? What, what, are, what are they going for again? Yeah, so they're at plus 2000
1: Oh, that's a fat payout. Let's go Colorado and, and TCU, baby.
0: And honestly, I hate to say it, but there's some narrative to some of these underdogs too. Kansas, I don't think the players necessarily think like this, but Kansas doesn't need it. Baylor doesn't need it to be a top two seed. So TCU might need it to get in. I mean, they have a lot of good good wins. They'll probably get in regardless. But this is these games are huge for them, and if they can pull off a couple wins, they should know that it's almost sealing for their at-large bid. I think directionally,
1: what you're saying actually makes perfect sense, and it's something I really like. I don't think the top-tier teams are as locked into winning the conference tourneys, and they almost like look ahead to the March Madness. Um, but I don't have like enough like data to back up. That's just like how I feel. Yeah.
0: It's like how I felt when, because I didn't give it out as a best bet last week, but it's how I felt with the UNC game. I didn't think UNC was going to win. I didn't predict that, but I knew UNC wasn't going to get blown out by 30 because that's just not the narrative that felt right. I'm not saying that feeling is always like, as a sports bettor, you shouldn't always just take, oh, I think this is going to happen. But sometimes when you have the gut feeling, it's it's not bad to ride with it. Absolutely. And I've actually incorporated this like little hang angle
1: in like some of my NBA handicaps, and it applies to all sports, but it's just like finding the market in the game you get your handicapping that's the least popular. So, like, yesterday I gave out like Denver Nuggets, Golden State Warriors over because like no one was betting the over, everyone was on the under because Warriors didn't have Steph Curry. Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and it was easy. Like, it's got to go under, right? Denver's not that good of an offense. Warriors actually have pretty good defense. They're missing all their star players. I think they combined for like 160-something or 260-something points. Like that's, Yeah, I think they both had
0: 100 after the third.
1: Yeah, like it soared over the total. And, like, the base of my logic was just like no one's going to bet the over, and that's usually how you find value in sports betting is just like taking the most random angle at things, right? And, like, getting on the same side of the house. So, I, I uh, there's a lot of logic in what you said about the Big 12, and you said hmm. TCU plus 2,000. So, uh, hopefully one of these cash, but me and you both giving out a plus 2,000 conference tourney winner. I like it. I like it. We're going yeah. for big units this, this week.
0: And for kicks and giggles, everyone may have different unit sizes, but if I'm giving these out as a best bet, just know that I'm definitely – at least putting something on them. Yeah. So for if you sure. tail them, we're tailing them together. If you lose them, I'm losing too. So yeah, we're in this together.
1: We're, we're trying to make you money. We're trying to make us money. And, um, I, honestly, like I'm not putting a full unit on Colorado, right? Let's say I, I, let's say a, a full unit's a hundred dollars for me. I'm, I'd put twenty five dollars on Colorado, may- maybe twenty. You know, honestly, because yeah. I prefer handicapping single games and futures, but and because it's a plus two thousand payout. Um, yeah, maybe
0: I sh- Maybe we should start doing that with some of our best bets. It's like, hey, point two units. Like, like yeah. my TC- I I. I don't love doing that, but like, I think it's understood that you shouldn't put a unit, two units on TCU plus two thousand. I agree. that should be understood. Well,
1: I, I think it's on us to help the listener understand. So your points that you're making, I totally agree with. So like, we'll just try to incorporate that better in going to the window. Right. And I try to do that stuff with some of these golf long shots, but, but, but you make an excellent point. That's just something that we should probably talk about more at going to the window when we're giving out these plays, like, you know, specific unit sizes, because like, I'm not, I'm not betting a full unit on Colorado, so good stuff. All right, yeah, let's get on to the SEC, baby. Yeah, we're uh, samesies on this one, I think. I'm not sure really where you um, landed on the SEC, but I'm, I'm going with Arkansas plus 700. Um, that's uh, also going to the window with me. They have a, a two-round buy, and they're 5-0 and straight up versus their three possible quarterfinals opponents. So there's a good chance they're going to end up in the semifinals. Um, They beat both uh, Kentucky and Auburn this season. They have the second best record in the SEC since 2019, which is their head coach, Eric Musselman's first year on the job, and they have the best margin of victory in those games. They also have the best record versus ranked teams over that span in the SEC. And they have a strong backcourt. they got three seniors in their backcourt, um, three of – uh three of their four leading scorers are in the backcourt and i think backcourt play guard play is more important in college basketball than the nba and uh and and guard jd note is this has the second uh most points per game in the sec so he's a certified baller um they had three players that appeared in last year's elite eight loss to eventual champion baylor so arkansas is tournament tests that they played big games are well coached with Eric Musselman. They have the best defensive efficiency in sec play and they have really good ball security. So they're not going to give up possessions. They're not going to, um, um, I don't know, piss away the game late. So I'm on Arkansas plus 700, but where are you going in the sec tournament?
0: So I actually really liked Arkansas plus 700 as well. I'm kind of going to go with one that I've I've seen them play personally. I really like Alabama. I don't love Alabama only because they're inconsistent, but you know, the thing that would come with inconsistency is, and they, they have an extremely high ceiling. So right now you can get Alabama at plus 1500. And sometimes these tournaments are just about making a run. Bama hasn't necessarily played well against elite opponents this season so that's where it goes with the inconsistency check. But they do have a lot of high-level scores. They have shown that they can get hot and they can take leads. So Bama was up double figures early against Kentucky at Kentucky. Kentucky made a comeback, but, I mean, Alabama hang with it, hung with them. Alabama ha- also has one of the most impressive records in the entire country. They beat Gonzaga on a neutral court, and they also beat Baylor. So they've beaten two projected number one seeds, and that's because they have a player named Jaden Shackelford that – He played on last year's team as well when they got, when they finished in the AP top five. So Shackleford is averaging 16.6 points per game. Now he's only, he's shooting under 40% from the field. So he shoots 14 shots per game and he shoots under 40%. But I mean, he dropped 30 points or he dropped 26 on Auburn and he can, he can explode. And if you get two or three straight good games from him, you could cash a plus 1500 ticket. Him and Quinterly make up a backcourt that averages over thirty points per game. And kind of what you were saying is, I'd rather have a, a high level, high ceiling backcourt than a high than a couple big men that you can double down on. And since most people don't know how to pass out of the pass out of the post, I, I think there's good um, value in that. So they play, they take on the winner of Georgia Vanderbilt. Not really worried about that. And then they play Kentucky. Like I said, they were up big in Kentucky, on Kentucky, in Kentucky. And, uh, I don't, I think Kentucky is one of the most ra- well-rounded teams in the nation, but when you take a team that doesn't have a ton of three-point shooting and you put them against a team that does, I'm usually going to take the team that does in a one game series. And then they play Tennessee and then maybe Auburn or Arkansas or whoever. So, um, I like Alabama plus 1500. I also loved Arkansas plus 700. So I like both the picks we gave out and, uh, for the sec, but Maybe quarter unit on both. Why not? Yeah, I don't. I think the only plays you can't really make here are Kentucky and Auburn. I think Auburn's way. I think the SEC tournament's the best, the most balanced. I like Tennessee. I think they're plus three thirty. Um, I just I wouldn't go with a favorite here, but nonetheless, this is this is an awesome tournament. There's they might be the best conference in the nation.
1: Yeah, SEC I think is the highest graded conference according to Ken Palm. Um, Like you said, very balanced, very well-rounded. Speaking of balanced and well-rounded, this goddamn sports betting podcast is the most balanced and well-rounded sports betting podcast on the internet. And now we're going to switch sports. We're going to go to soccer, where you have some handicaps, right? Is it just the MLS, or do you got a Champions League play as well?
0: Yeah, so I only have a Champions League ML- or uh, handicap, but I will say, if you've been following me, I live in Cincinnati. You know how bad, how much I hate, how much how bad FC Cincinnati has been. I wanted I really wanted to give them out as a play. They're minus two hundred in Orlando. They're not gonna win. Don't bet minus two hundred. Parlay that with like a one ten over two and a half goals. Their defense is awful. So uh yeah, that's my take. Uh I've won on betting against them the last two weeks. So it's been it's been a fun ride living in Cincinnati sports. Go, go Bengals. All right. So onto my one handicap for the Champions League. So tomorrow is probably the most mainstream matchup we have. It's Real Madrid against PSG. So PSG won, won nothing last time. And I like the under 2.5. So in six of these last eight first round Champions League games, the under 2.5 is hit. My theory is that it has a lot to do with cross conference or cross league playing and that they just aren't used to each other i mean in league play you see them playing a lot of times it's the same style they play two or three different times so real madrid is coming in in la liga play they've allowed 21 goals in 27 league matches and then they've also allowed just four goals in seven champions league matches so this team is elite defensively it's what they do it's it's just what they do they allowed psg eight shots on goal but psg only scored once and then as for PSG, Mbappe is doubtful. Neymar has played 90 minutes just once since he had some uh, ankle ligament damage. So I, I don't think PSG is going to look that great. And I don't think their trio of attackers necessarily played up to par with uh, how they want to play versus elite competition. And then, I mean, they didn't even win their their group stage uh, lead because Man City was in there. So PSG has also allowed just eight goals in six Champions League matches, and they didn't allow Real a single shot on goal in their first matchup. And if I can get under 2.5 goals at plus 135 when some teams are down some of their key players. And then I also forgot to mention, but on the other side, Real's down Tony Cruz and Casemiro. So they don't necessarily have a ton of uh, transitionary players from the back to the front, which could cause some issues in their ability to attack. So I'm going under 2.5 at plus 135. I love the bet. I've been absolutely crushing it with Champions League play too. Um, I wrote Liverpool Inter for Sportsbook Wire, and I projected a one-one draw, I, and it it didn't hit the underdog, the plus five twenty underdog Inter one. So, I I had a streak of like four straight matches that I wrote on being the correct score, which was absolutely sick. I was tweeting them, but uh.
1: Nice, so soccer dude. betting's
0: actually been like personally my most profitable, so I like the under two point five in that match. It doesn't it doesn't have to be tailed, but it, it feels great. Hell with it, go with it then. I mean, there's
1: no shame in betting soccer. Hell, everyone else in the world does it, and if that's the way you make money, I think. It got, it it was really weird with my friends when I got into baseball gambling a few years ago, but like, that's probably been my most profitable sport. And like a lot of listeners are also listening to my NBA podcast, which I've just been on fire with, like I'm killing the NBA this year. I'm actually like a lot more confident in baseball. Like I, I, I can, I can actually like predict lines, like based on just like starting pitcher probables. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty on point with baseball and I don't know, like if, if soccer's your shit, whatever, just gamble on soccer.
0: Yeah, I just wish there were more matchups I cared about because I really I really don't follow like a ton of like the the let me just say so many of the leagues in soccer are top heavy that you can't always just bet like the most popular teams because they're probably gonna win like five nothing and be a minus ten thousand on a money line. Right. So that's where you kind of get some shame in there, but yeah what's uh that was my only Emma, my only soccer play i'll, I'll be back with some m l s plays next week but i i didn't find anything too intriguing on the slate cool well, all right hopefully the
1: the, the what was the official actually i'll tell you'll say it at the uh, going to the window yeah, but okay. p s g real um all right so let's talk some uh i got a couple NBA handicaps for this uh this week um they're actually both Clipper games do you have any NBA handicaps that kind of go ping pong back and forth or is it just me
0: I think this one's just you. I don't. I didn't. I didn't prep any NBA. All right, so
1: I had this game circled on the calendar. Um, these two two teams met back on January twenty fifth, but I'm taking the Washington Wizards uh, plus five against the Los Angeles Clippers on Wednesday, March 9th. You remember that under that we took in the Clippers Wizards game. And the the Wizards went into halftime with a thirty-five point lead and Clippers scored eighty points
0: in the second half to come back and win that game. You remember, you remember I that? remember watching that comeback thinking like this can't be real because now every time like the Clippers were down huge against the Knicks the other day, and I'm like, comeback time. Third quarter down twenty five. Come back. Yeah, it scarred me too, buddy.
1: Um, but I think the the Wizards had that game circled. I'm assuming they're gonna wanna get some retribution for that embarrassing loss. And this is a good spot to fade the Clippers. They're 10-14 and 14 against the number at home. They got a minus 3.5 ATS differential. And the Clippers are on a second of a back-to-back are 3-7 straight up and 4-6 and against the spread. They're minus uh, 3.9 adjusted net rating or non-garbage time net rating in uh, the second of a back-to-back, which is 22nd in the NBA. And they have a minus 3.1 ATS differential in those spots, which is ranked 24th. Also, um, I'm big. I've been betting a lot of Washington Wizards games. I've been backing them recently because I kind of like their roster, and I think they're better without Bradley Beal. They're actually like really sneaky, long, and big. They just added Kristaps Porzingis. They still have Thomas uh, Bryant, Rui uh, Rui Rui Hachimura. He's he's nice. He's good. That Israeli Israeli kid. Denny Ojfoda, Osh, I can't pronounce his name, but he's he's really long and athletic. Kyle Kuzma's having a breakout year. He's long and athletic. And uh Washington with Bradley Beal were 17 and 23. Bradley beal has got a, a minus 0.3 adjusted net on off rate or on off net rating. So actually the Wizards give up more points per 100 possessions when Bradley Beal was on the floor. Since Bradley, or in games without Bradley Beal, the Wizards are 12 and 11 straight up. So I don't think the injury really hurts them at all. And I'll take the Washington Wizards. Now I'm really feeling myself in the NBA, and this is kind of an example of that. I'm going with the Clippers on Friday as my second best bet. So uh, this one, I'm taking the Wizards plus five against the Clippers on Wednesday. Clippers are playing the second of a back-to-back. They get Thursday off, and then they visit the Atlanta Hawks on Friday, um, March 11th. I'm taking the Clippers. Um, I think it'll be plus five and a half um, for the Clippers. I'm willing to play it down to plus four and a half. It could go higher. Um, but the clippers were actually plus 4 uh at home in their first head to head back on january 9th um and the the clippers won 3 of the 4 factors in that game um in a in in a in a loss. Hold on, let me pull up the score of that one. Um in a loss that they had to the the Atlanta Hawks. Actually, they beat the Atlanta Hawks 106 to 93. Excuse me. They won 3 of the 4 factors. And they were missing two of their best players in that game. Now, Nate, don't laugh at me when I say these names. Two of their best players are Luke Kennard and Isaiah Hartenstein. Now, these guys are—they are giving great minutes for the Los Angeles Clippers, and they play. The Clippers play a lot better when these guys are on the floor. And they missed the previous game against the Hawks, and they still boat race the Hawks by thirteen. Now. The second of a back-to-back, a bad spot for the Clippers. But this spot, really good for them because they punish bad defenses, and Atlanta is a terrible defense. The Los Angeles Clippers are 14-6 and straight up versus teams in the bottom 10 of defensive rating. They have a plus 4.8 adjusted net rating against bottom 10 defenses and a plus 2.6 ATS differential, um, which is ranked ninth against bottom 10 defenses according to cleaning the glass.com. So I'm, I'm fading the Clippers on the second of a back to back Wednesday tomorrow. And I'm betting the Clippers at Atlanta on Friday. So those are my two best uh, NBA bets so far or those are my two best NBA bets.
0: Yeah. For the sake of it, because you mentioned Luke Kennard, he grew up like 30 minutes from me. Dude's a baller. Possibly yeah, he grew up in Franklin. He was like, he was like probably the best recruit of of my memory to come out of like Southeast Ohio.
1: Yeah, Southwest right. Ohio. He might be like yeah. one of the best basketball players in your area, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. When he was um, when he was in high school, he was he was dropping some insane numbers. Yeah, it, it was awesome to hear about. But uh, yeah, I, I like those plays for sure. All right, cool. Um, you ready to talk about the star of the show?
1: Yeah, the players' championship. I mean, we got probably 10 more minutes here that we can spend on handicapping the players championship. I got to be honest though with you, with the listeners, with everyone, I was really bogged down today with the, uh, handicap and the college basketball. I want to get a couple picks out there. So I still need to do some more work in the players championship. I have two plays that I like, um, and I'll give you the analysis for those, but I, uh, just look out for my, my, um, my tweet. I do a weekly tweet giving out my entire, uh, golf betting slip. So I'll have outrights. I'll have head-to-head matchups. I'll have um, placements. Uh, top top player stuff like that. But I only this got. This is how
0: he gets followers. He <laughs> needs the followers. That's what he's saying. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, they don't hurt. I'll tell you that. Um, but the Players Championship. It's it's. It's like considered the fifth major of the uh, PGA Tour. There's 144 golfer field. They upped the prize purse to $20 million, which is like staggeringly high for the PGA Tour. The course is the player stadium course. Measures out a little over 7,200 yards as a par 72. Uh, It's got Bermuda greens. Um, It's pretty average to hit the fairways. Um, and some of the, some of the, the stats that I pulled or that I used were par, par five scoring, par four scoring uh, of yardages from 450 to 500 since five of the most uh, of the six most difficult holes are par fours in that yardage range. Um, and I also included par five scoring amongst like, just like the assortment of stats. That I include in there just because it's really easy to score in par fives at this course. So need to capitalize on those par five opportunities. But according to my model that I built, um and I my my two plays or my, my first plays, I'm taking Louis Ushazen at top 20, uh, which is plus two forty on typical. Now, Louis, Louis O has the second best, um, is the second best rated golfer according to my model. He's a fantastic ball striker great at bogey avoidance so he doesn't make a lot of a lot of uh, mistakes on the golf course he's 11th in this field at par 4 450 to 500 scoring which again makes up five of the six toughest holes on this course and I think there's some really good value and um, his price has been a little inflated just because he's significantly underperformed versus expectations recently he hasn't been top 10 um, in, in any tournament since he went top 10 in five of six tourneys last year from May to July. And he, he did have a, a, a T2 finish here in 2017. So he has had success in this tournament on this course. And I think he's going to bounce back after a couple of rough outings. So I'm going to go Louis Oosthuizen top 20 at plus 240. Uh, what do you have for the players championship?
0: Yeah, sweet. So again, I, uh, I'm two and one in golf handicapping. My one should have hit if I would have gone top 20 instead of we, Like we said, we're getting a little greedy. I reconvened with the insurance bros this week and, uh, we're going to go with Will. Zal- well, I'm going to go with Will Zal- Zalatorius to finish top 20. That is one of my two picks. I have another one we'll talk about top 20 for Zalatorius right now. If that's how you say his name is plus two twenty five. So he ranks 30th in the world and he's had a pretty good year so far. Uh, he finished 6th in the American Express, 2nd in the Farmers Open, 26th in the Genesis, 38th in the uh, Arnold Palmer. So he's he's had some all right finishes. Uh, Zalatoris finished 21st last year. But one thing that I found pretty shocking is he was 70 or 71, shot a 70 or 71 in every round. That feels very surprisingly consistent. And he has some sneaky good stats, too. He ranked 16th in strokes off the green, 1st in strokes gained approaching the green, Third in strokes gained to the tee so his main issue is with the putters that's where he's really would really need to step up to uh get into that top five top 10 range but if that's his biggest weakness if he can get hot with the putter if he can make a couple putts uh, so he ranks 173rd in strokes gained with the putter so i like it he's a long shot pick he's a plus plus five thousand to win out right but I like him a lot at plus two twenty-five. I think his numbers, how he's played, how he's fared this season, he's played on the Greens before. Um I think there's a lot to like about Zalatorius and especially at that value.
1: Okay. Uh my next best bet for the the players' championship is I'm going Mito Pereira, top South American golfer at plus four twenty five. Hopefully that's how you pronounce his name. I would hate to butcher it, but he's fourteenth. Uh, the 14th ranked golfer in this field by my model. Uh, the next closest South American is Joaquin Neiman, who just won the Genesis at 30. He's the 33rd ranked golfer in my model. And, I mean, Neiman should be the favorite. He's been hitting the ball fantastically and been playing fantastically. But I think there is some value here in Pereira. Obviously, they're... I, I believe there's value in here since I'm giving it out as a best bet, but he's third in bogey avoidance in the field and third in par four scoring four fifty to five hundred yardage um, and out of the 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 other four or five South American golfers. Uh, the other, excuse me, the other South American golfers in this market are all terrible putting on Bermuda greens, like like really bad. And he's actually pretty good, uh, roughly average, and he's trending better than all of the South Americans aside from Joaquin Neiman, who again just won the Genesis and, and is a heavy favorite. So I like the value at Amita Pereira plus four twenty five. He's trending pretty well, um, and I think his game suits this course, even though he's making his debut here. So that's my second and final uh players championship best bet and i'll give out my bet slip uh tomorrow evening on twitter but what else do you got in the players championship
0: so usually i go with uh i try to find that plus money value when i was looking at it i had to go with kind of more of a favorite this is a pretty safe play i'm going with colin marakawa uh top 20 minus 110 it uh He's plus 1,500 to win, which are the third best odds. He finished 41st in the tournament last season, so he also has some experience on the course. But what I thought was really interesting about him is his ceiling is extremely high. There's a, there's a good reason to bet him to win. He shot a 66 in the final round last year and only six other players in the top 50 shot a 66 or better in a single round. Uh, Marikawa finished second in the Genesis. He was fifth in the Tournament of Champions. He's currently the 12th uh, ranked player in the world. And he has four top 10 finishes on the season. So you can see why he has the third best odds to win the entire tournament. And his numbers back those up to fourth in strokes gained putting sixth in strokes gained to the T fourth in strokes gained um, approaching the T uh, he's first in total strokes gained. There's a lot to like about Marikawa or Marikawa. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, he's got, you got it. He's got experience this season. He's, um, he's been on the greens. He his numbers back him up. Uh, I like him at minus one ten. That's what I'll be playing. I think I learned from last week not to get burned by going too high on some of these plays. But I I like him to finish top twenty. It's risky at minus one ten, but it's a play that should be should be free money.
1: I actually think Colin Marikawa is the best golfer on the tour. Yeah. Like he I, I think he I could those numbers I could be that I are wrong, absurd, but. He I think he broke like all of Tiger Woods' amateur records at Stanford. Like he he's considered like one of the best amateur golfers ever and is like a budding superstar. This guy won the British Open. Um I bet him to win outright in the British Open so like I'm in love with Colin Markow. <laughs> like I love like this this guy is an absolute tank. So I don't hate that pick. I I wouldn't do -110 but I'm yeah,
0: I might I, have I him as like value, an outright. But, yeah, I didn't love the value. I like the +1500 but it was either that or start getting i mean it it's not easy to finish top 10 top 5 to win the tournament it's not if you're a golfer of his status it's not terribly difficult to finish top 20 he could all i'm saying is he could shoot he shot he shot a couple bad rounds last year and still finished uh 41st which obviously isn't great but it's still a couple strokes away from being top 20 i I, I like the odds better than going anything like top five or top ten. I like the odds first, the versus the risk. Uh, I'm probably gonna take him to win the Masters. Actually,
1: that's um, uh, what is it? he's got the third best odds to win the Masters at plus twelve hundred on some books right now. And I like I love Colin Markov, so I don't hate that pick at all. Um, all right, man. Well, that covers my PGA Championship or excuse me, Players Championship um bet slip at least for the bet slipping podcast uh do you have any more um uh plays to give out in that tournament no i'm wrapped
0: up i got my uh i got the ones we got we got good i think that's all i got
1: all right all right let's head over to the the window where we lock in our best bets and just recap uh our favorite handicaps from this podcast the
0: bet slipping podcast Going to the window.
1: All right, so I have two college basketball conference tourney plays. I'm taking Arkansas at plus seven hundred to win the SEC. I'm probably only going to put a quarter unit on it, and then I'm going to take Colorado at plus two thousand, another quarter unit to win the Pac-12. What uh, what are what are your college basketball plays?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to put a quarter unit on TCU at plus two thousand and a quarter unit on. Alabama at plus 1,500 as my two college basketball plays for the Big 12 and SEC, respectively. All right. Um, NBA plays. I'm taking the Washington Wizards
1: plus the points against the Los Angeles Clippers on Wednesday, March 9th. Uh, it should be a plus five. That was the look-ahead line. I'd play it down to plus three and a half, and then I'm going to bounce back and take the Clippers plus the points at Atlanta Friday, March 11th. Um, I think they'll be getting – five five and a half i would be willing to play it down to four and a half or four um but let's go with the clippers plus the points at the atlanta hawks um and yeah i know you have some soccer plays or a soccer play to give out yeah so, so
0: my soccer play is psg real under 2.5 now that one is plus 135 so i'm only going to put three quarters a unit on it not not quite go all the way uh but yep yeah. units under 2.5 in the Champions League. So that kicks off at 3 p.m. Wednesday. All right. March And then
1: I got two plays in the Player Championship, which tees off Thursday, March 10th. I'm taking Louis Oosthuizen, top 20 at plus 240. I'll go a half unit on that. And then I'm taking Mito Pereira, top South American golfer, at plus 425. I'll put another half unit on that. And that wraps up my bet slip. What else do you have on your bet slip?
0: So I have Zalators, Will Zalators to finish top twenty for plus two twenty-five. I'll put a unit on that. Then I'm gonna do Colin Marikawa, top twenty minus one ten. I'm gonna put a unit and a half on that. Go little. Got the better price, so we'll put a little bit more on it. All righty,
1: well, good stuff. Do us a favor, shout us out on social media or leave us a nice review, uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave review for podcasts. I know where everywhere podcasts live. Um, Also, all of our Colorado New Jersey listeners, please use our sign-up link and check out Typico sportsbook before making a wager on any of your favorite sporting events. Uh, Best of luck to you guys, whether you fade or follow us. Hopefully, we can help make you some money and make us some money. You know, that's what we're shooting for here. But until next time, peace.
0: See you. This is the Bet Slippin Podcast featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I
1: mean it's the gambling business. Occasionally you get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slippin Podcast. I'm shocked. Shocked to find that gambling is going on in here.